Footers crew, it's your girl Jenna here and Gerard. Guys, it's it's the playoffs, baby. At least it is the pre-playoffs because we have the NBA's play-in tournament that is so controversial, it's incredible to talk about. <laughs> Gerard, how you doing over there, honey? I'm great, man. It's playing time, man. Let's get it started tonight. Actually, as we're talking right now, the Indiana Pacers and Charlotte Hornets are playing basketball. So yeah, it's it's go time. Look, I think the play-in is great. Like, it, it made the last uh, two weeks of the regular season extremely exciting, right? We were all like, oh, my God, who's got what seed? What's going to happen? I mean, it's – and the teams, the one and two seeds in both conferences, they have no idea who they're playing yet in the playoffs. So it's exciting, and we got some pretty good matchups. So let's get into it. Exactly. Such good matchups. I was going to ask your thoughts on the play-in because I feel like everybody has different opinions. But, hey, one great. thing that we can all it's agree great. on, it makes the end of the season yes. so fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So fun because with – 70-some games, you could get a little bored. Think about but, think about the Wizards, and I know we're going to get to them, right, Jenna? Yeah. Like, if there was no playing, man, they would have been tanked this season a long time ago because they were terrible, right? Like, they was like, what, what's the point? But since they were like, wait a minute, we can get the 10 seed and playing in the Wizards, hottest team in the league right now behind the Knicks. So we'll talk about them in a minute. You ever think you'd be saying that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into it here. Let's talk about the winner go home, guys. Charlotte versus Indiana. Like Gerard said, we're recording this on May 18th. They're in that matchup as we speak. So with this matchup, I asked Gerard because we have a depleted Pacers team with so many injuries. It's hard to count at this point. Key guys like Miles Turner, uh, TJ Warren, both out. And of course, we know Jamal Murray is out with the ACL. And the list goes on. I believe Malcolm Brogdon might be back. He's, yeah, he's in. Brogdon's in tonight. Sabonis is in tonight. Aaron Holiday's in tonight. Cool, cool. And we have significant injuries on kind of both sides. I mean, the Hornets. Eh. Yeah, no, no, no. Gordon Hayward. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 missing. Yep. Exactly. Major front court issues right there. So talk to me about this. What? What are we watching in this matchup? Um, so for me, the matchup, particularly in this series that I'm watching, is going to be Malcolm Brogdon and Terry Rozier, right? Because, look, we we know what Terry Rozier's done. <clears throat> We've seen him sort of, like, come into his own, right? Like, no longer is he scary Terry from the Boston Celtics days. And he's now, like, you know, a, a legit, like, scorer and someone who the he's Hornets... probably happy he ain't there anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> Boston got their own problems. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, seeing seeing how you know he he's been so reliable for them lately, so I'm definitely gonna be watching that matchup. Look, Brogdon, he, he's he's been injured, so that's gonna be something to watch there as well. I think Indiana, it's been stated right, the issues they had internally as a team with Nate Bjorker and their current head coach. But since that report came out, they have been playing well. Demontis Sabonis, my guy Domas, has been averaging a triple double in the last month. He's playing well. He is active tonight. Look, it's a it's such a bizarre game just because both these teams are they had spots during the season indiana early like the first 10 12 games where they look good charlotte early before the lamello ball injury but they were, they managed to kind of stay hover around that the plan they've been looking like shells of themselves um but you know i think when they're both playing well it's a hell of a matchup um and it really it could honestly go either way 
It really can, just because I would have taken the Pacers hands down, but now that half of their roster, if not most, is injured, I don't know how that's <laughs> going to work, especially if uh, LaMelo Ball gets cooking. But how about this stat for you really quick? The Hornets are seeking their first playoff appearance since the 2015-2016 season. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's about time. They need one. <laughs> Heck yeah, they do. All right, who's going to take it, Gerard? Uh, you know, I'm going to lean Charlotte. I just, I, I think... Indiana, while I, I, you know, I love Sabonis, I, Karis LeVert out for them in the COVID protocol, health and safety protocol, that's going to hurt them. I mean, he's a legit, you know, uh, go-to guy for them. And that's, that's definitely going to sting. They have no Jeremy Lamb as well. I think the injuries are too much. And Charlotte, um, you know, they're, Charlotte's liking what, what, what the way they're playing right now. LaMelo Ball's back. And I think he's going to kind of be that X factor, right? Like if he gets a little hot from the three-point line, we know he's going to dazzle with his passes. I just like what Charlotte's doing right now with PJ Washington and Bridges. Like I, I think Charlotte's got this one. Yeah, I'm going to take Charlotte as well. Again, that depleted Pacers roster, and I have a lot of trust in Lamelo Ball. So <laughs> I've always been a fan. You've been high on Lamelo. You know how it goes. You know what's up. You know what's up. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next matchup to two teams that we would have pitted in opposite directions. However. Hey, it's the NBA. It's make or miss league. And the Wizards are making it a nice run at the end of the season here into the play-in. Now, they have fought their asses off. That backcourt in uh, Westbrook and Beal is nearly unstoppable, especially with Westbrook's confidence that he's going in on now. And Beal almost notched a scoring title, but Steph Curry was ahead of him. So, hey, not too shabby. Mm -hmm. But this Boston team seems confused, lost. Um, what other words? Um, I hate to say the words. <laughs> yes, I hate to say it, but disinterested, kind of like they don't almost care in One, a way, two, three, but Cancun. I don't want to use that. Right. It's just, it, it's a mess in Boston there and nobody really seems to have hope. So they're pretty much the underdog in this matchup. But what are you watching? Uh, I'm going to be watching the Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum matchup. Those guys are friends from there. They grew up in the same area. Um, you know, St. Louis, Missouri area. And I, I you know, I, to your point, Jenna, Boston has just been ugh this year. Like, not great. They have no defensive identity. And that's a hallmark for Brad Stevens' team, right, is that they play really good defense. Now, they definitely had injuries. COVID definitely impacted them. We know Jalen Brown's out for the season. But I don't, you, you thought, and their, their big man rotation is, I don't even know what's going on. Um, I, you would have thought, though, with the experience they had of a team that's made conference finals um, and it had deep playoff runs, that they'd be able to weather this kind of thing. And it's just, it's just not clicking for them this year. On the plus side for them, Kemba Walker has come back and been playing better of late. Um, they're going to need him if they have any chance of beating the Wizards tonight. Um, and, you know, I Jason Tatum's going to have to go off and really, really hope that they can somehow have Marcus Smart limit Russell Westbrook. But that front court for the Wizards has been doing damage. Robin Lopez all of a sudden looking like a, an all-star center, which is crazy. Right. And that and that front court of of Boston with Tristan Thompson and uh, what? Like Robert Williams. I'm not really sure what's happening there. Yeah, or it's just. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I, I do not like anything I'm seeing from Boston. No, I mean, you know, I guess we can give uh, Tristan Thompson half of pass. He's in a custody battle or some type of shit with another girl that is accusing him of cheating. Um, 
So wow. again, not custody battle, but definitely something, some, some kind of, some that, kind of thing some pertaining to that, but you know, that's irrelevant at this point. And so are the Boston Celtics allegedly. <laughs> so, but I, what I will say is for this to go exactly how, uh, um, Boston needs it to go. Tatum needs to be a hundred percent every single night. And so does Walker at the least bit, they need to go off in, in these, um, in this game. And, Again, the Wizards are somebody you don't want to face. Like, they're tough. They're mm-hmm, It's mm-hmm. like the Knicks. You don't want to – and similar kind of turnaround there this season. So, And Russ is playing enough, a lot of confidence, as you said. Yes, a lot of confidence. But what worries me is the Bradley Beal looming injury. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's the X factor, Jenna. Like, how healthy is Bradley Beal? Because he said it himself. Realistically. I, sh- I shouldn't have played in that, in that game, uh, the, the last game of the regular season. And you could see he was hobbled, looking very hobbled. And hamstring injuries aren't something that like, all right, two days rest and you're fine. Like those things tend to linger. And in the playoffs, remember we always talk about Jenna, this is a 2x, 2.5x intensity game. It's play in and not playoff, but these two teams are fighting for their playoff lives. So they, the winner, as we know, automatically gets the seventh seed and a date with the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs. So this is, this is hype and this is intense. And, you know, look, anything can happen in one game, but the health factor of Bradley Beal is important because if Beal is not healthy, you know, Boston could find a way to steal this if Kemba Walker is playing well. So it's, again, maybe not a Kemba and Jason Tatum have to have big games and Marcus Smart's going to have to limit Russell Westbrook and turn him into, you know, he can have his triple doubles, that's fine, but make him inefficient, right? Make him take a lot of those jumpers that he, he hasn't been taking, right? Force him mm-hmm. to be a jump shooter and make him inefficient. Because if he's getting downhill and getting to the rim and the free throw line, you're cooked. Amen. Who's taking it? You know, the way they've been playing right now, I'm gonna go Wizards, man. I just don't think Boston they just they haven't shown me that they that they're getting up for big wins. Like this is a win they need, right? Because a win again puts them right into the seven, gives them a chance to again rest, get some more practice time in, get themselves together to start the postseason uh over the weekend. But they just don't look like a team to me that has that kind of, you know, yeah, we got this. You know, like that, that kind of reserves to tap into. The, the, the Wizards, on the other hand, are feeding off of Russell Westbrook's energy. And we know that dude is going all out 110% constantly. Like, he, they have embodied that spirit, that ferociousness, and that fierce competitiveness. And I just think that might be too overwhelming for the Celtics. I agree, especially in the state that the Celtics are in right now. So I'm going to take the Wizards on this one, too. Again, never thought I'd be here, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. All right, let's go down to San Antonio because they're taking on the Grizzlies, who are also in a similar position as the Hornets, trying to clinch their first uh, playoff appearance since the 2014-2015 season. So this is a big one for them, too. And Grizzlies, obviously, you think of Ja Morant. I feel like that's going to be the X factor that's going to carry them through this matchup. And the San Antonio Spurs, eh, they've been quiet. The, they, DeMar DeRozan's played well. They have DeJounte Murray, right? Uh, Lonnie Walker. I mean, they've got they've got a lot of talent on that team. Um, a lot of young guys, right? And this is an opportunity for them to sort of step up and, and show show what they've got. Um, you know, for me, Jaron Jackson Jr. is my X factor, right? If, if he's able to stretch the floor and he's knocking down his threes, um, you know, I love I love what this Memphis team is, is about. Look, Memphis needs to have the opportunity to play in the postseason. I've said this for a long time. It's, if the future yeah. of this team is Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, like that that duo, they got to start going to the playoffs and getting their lumps. The problem with them, with this playing scenario where they are right now, that ain't going to be easy. Because 
beating San Antonio doesn't give them an automatic berth, right? Because they're in that 9-10 spot. So they have to win against San Antonio, which I think they can do. But then they get the loser of Golden State Los Angeles, which, you know, and whoever that team's going to, is not going to be easier than to beat. Golden State just beat them on Sunday night. And the Lakers, could you imagine LeBron on a, after, if, if he lost to the Warriors on a winner go home and I, I can't go back to repeat? That's going to be a lot for this Memphis Grizzlies team to overcome. And I, you know, I really wish that they were in the better half in that 7-8 matchup where they can just, and they had an opportunity, right? Because if they won that game against Golden State on Sunday, that's where they would have been, right? They had a chance to do that. Then it's a single, you know, that they could potentially win, you know, one, one win and you're in. It's just, it's tough, man. It's going to be a tough road for, for, for Memphis. Um, But I do think they beat San Antonio tonight or I'm sorry, Wednesday night. I'm going to go with Memphis as well. I believe in the John Morant factor, and that is what I'm putting my belief in. And, of course, you know, your guy, Triple J. Of course, of course. You know how that goes. (laughs) And, guys, really quick before we go on to the most anticipated match, just to remind you that the way the rules are working here, this is quick. This tournament is happening this week, and that is that. Now, the teams with the seventh and eighth seed in each conference will have two opportunities to win one game, and then the ninth and tenth seeds have that winner go home game. So, just so you guys know what's going on, it is confusing. And did you notice, Gerard? I feel like everybody's doing different pieces about how to figure out the play in tournament because it's kind of confusing if you don't break it down the right way. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people exp- explain it very differently. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty simple, right? 7-8, the winner of that matchup gets a 7 seed. They're automatically in the playoffs. The loser mm-hmm. plays the winner of 9-10, and they get the 8 seed. Like, it's, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty straightforward, cut and dry. So if you're in that 9-10 bracket, you have to win twice in order to get to the postseason. If you are 7-8, and eight, you only got to win once. That's it. Simple, simple as that. But you have two chances to win once, right? Mm-hmm. That, and that's, that's, your, that's, your, that's your benefit for finishing higher in that, in that upper region of 7-8. By the way, early look at the uh, Pacers Hornets. Pacers up 32 18 in the first. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. right. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for breaking that down, Gerard. That's a, that's a big reason why Gerard is here. Because, like, <laughs> when I fail miserably, he just comes right Listen, in. Just, just and a- he doesn't even say anything anymore. He just comes right in and <laughs> takes care of it. I'm like, that's it. That's my guy. Just that's to, my guy. You know, level it out a little bit. <laughs> That's it. (laughs) All right. Let's move on here. We got to talk about the most anticipated matchup, the Warriors and the Lakers, the famous, infamous matchup between LeBron James (laughs) and Steph Curry. You guys, if you guys are Cavs fans, you know, you know the hell we went through, you know, up and down. You're so funny (laughs) because you are not a Cavs fan. You are a LeBron James stan. That is what you are. (laughs) Because that's what we do. We hop. We go with LeBron James. I'm not lying. I'm aware of my issues. I'm admitting them. They're out in the open. The it's open. therapeutic. Okay. It is. Love it. But my anxiety is at an all-time high, realistically, because this matchup is... Guys, you don't even have to really think about it. You just say it and you know. You start sweating. The upper lip sweat goes. It's a whole 
problematic situation. But for real, we have LeBron James back after he missed a plethora of games due to that uh, high right ankle sprain that he sustained in March. Tweaked it a little bit, we thought, but he said he's good to go. So we're going to believe him because this is not propaganda season. Right, <laughs> no, it for sure is LeBron propaganda season. We're going to get into that. <laughs> and Steph Curry, who just notched the scoring title and, like we mentioned before, beat out Bradley Beal. It was a close one, but he took it. It is Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. I'm nervous that he's going to go off for 50 and it's going to be a it's going to be a shit show So for the Lake Show. <laughs> so... <laughs> Talk to me, Gerard. What is to watch in this matchup? And feel free to just run wild with it because we can't just pick one X factor, in my opinion. Well, there's so much to go on here. First, I want to start with LeBron James' propaganda. So after the end of the last regular season game, LeBron was asked about MVP. I think Steph Curry's the MVP of the league, right? Like, And I tell you people all the time, when LeBron says things like that, they are not just by happen chance or oh, you know, I'm just talking off the cuff. No, this is all part of him building and setting up the narrative so that it sounds great, right? So with LeBron keeping all this praise on Steph, and he can believe it or not, I mean, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's setting it up so that when the Lakers do in fact beat the Golden State Warriors, it then becomes LeBron slaying the real MVP, right? And Steph Curry. And then if by some reason the Lakers happen to play the Nuggets, and they beat them, and they beat Nikola Jokic, who is the actual MVP. LeBron then is, not only did I slay the people's champ MVP in Steph Curry, I slayed the actual MVP in Nikola Jokic. And remember, this will be the Lakers coming in as a 7 or 8 seed, lowest seed of his career. It's all part of the narrative, so that if and when they do win the title... All the storylines are built in. What a great run by LeBron James and the Lakers. He had to overcome all these amazing teams. This is the greatest player. Listen, this is all he's doing right now. This is a legacy and narrative building. And the way that legacies are impacted is by stories, right? Think about it. Most of you young kids weren't around or don't remember actually seeing Michael Jordan play basketball, right? Because you guys were either not born or you were babies. But when you look back, right, the narrative is 6-0 in the finals, bulletproof, right? You, you just create these things, and it's like all those playoff failures before that, losing to the Pistons and the Celtics and all that, that eh, doesn't count. That doesn't matter. It's what? Six, it's 6-0 in the finals, right? Like, that's... He didn't lose. And, what do you mean? Exactly. And this is what it's going to be for LeBron. It's he, like, he went to 10 finals or whatever the number is, but look who we had to slay in his era. Steph Curry, the Super Teams, blah, 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 blah. All these things. So... That's the first thing. What I will say quick is he gave Steph Curry his MVP pick generously (laughs) and kindly. Yeah. Not that he doesn't deserve it. I'm just Propaganda. Propaganda. And then, and then he made history as well, having his, what is it? Uh, Every season in his career, 17th season, scoring 25 points or more, averaging 25 points or more. And in 12 consecutive seasons, I'm sorry, or 17. And then the last number was 12, a large gap between him, Kevin Durant, 
the late great Kobe Bryant, Carl Malone. Wait, and then of course, what did he tweet out? And I'm not even a scorer. It's like again, this is all he's a narrative. Pastor. He's a past guy. All narrative. Stop it. He's a past Stop guy. the foolishness. Stop it. Don't he's believe. Age 19. Don't believe the propaganda, people. This is I all part it. of. I believe injected in my veins. <laughs> this is all part of. I'm the, here. <laughs> this is part of the propaganda, people. Narrative building. But anyway, look. Uh, the X factor is going to be how the Lakers guards how they deal with the Golden State Warriors off-ball action with Steph Curry, all that motion. And now that the Golden State Warriors want to kind of Anderson, Jordan Poole, those guys are taking threes and hitting them. Andrew Wiggins playing well. Can Andrew Wiggins, I might say stop, but can he bother LeBron James enough? Because here's what I will say. Andrew Wiggins, from a just pure athlete perspective, might be the best athlete on the floor in that, in that game. He's that athletic. Now, can he somehow figure out, figure out a way to put it all together in that game who knows so far in this this this, in his career he hasn't right but he is playing better uh, as as part of the Warriors so it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. so I think Andrew Wiggins uh, is an x-factor to watch how the Lakers guards handle um, the off-ball action and really the health of the Lakers right that's the other thing how healthy is LeBron and Anthony Davis and, you know, that, that's what I see. But in terms of who's going to win, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Steph goes nuclear, Warriors win this one, they get into the seventh seed, and then that puts the Lakers in a do-or-die situation against the winner of Memphis-San Antonio for that eighth seed. Because I want to see Lakers-Jazz round one. I, I, I want that series. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to pretend like that didn't ruin our friendship. Um, and, but I would love to see Lakers jazz. That would be amazing. Um, obviously I'm taking the Lakers. I mean, there has never been a time when the King has let me down. I mean, except like, you know, maybe once or twice, uh, against the worst, but you know, it's all in the past. It's all in the past. Uh, but no, I got the Lakers in this. I, I think they're ready. I think they're ready for this challenge. I think LeBron loves, in a non-propaganda slander way, I think he loves coming back like this and being like, yeah, I did it. I'm Pro- washed propaganda. king. Yeah. All I again, want is a washed king message after the game. That's who, it. Who called him washed king? Nobody. He made that shit up. Nobody said There's he was the washed king. There's always haters, Gerard. There's always haters. There's always haters. I love it, man. They are. They're in the woodwork. They're under your under the your bed. They're everywhere. I, I love they're it. Hating. Le- LeBron James propaganda continues. Oh, you know what? I'm telling you. One day somebody's gonna catch on to this. What we're doing, and they are gonna literally book us for another show to talk about this propaganda shit because we keep going back and forth. It's comedy. Love uh-huh. to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I mean, Wednesday, it's going to be the big time. It's going to be the big, big yep, game. So big we game. shall see. And, uh, the Lakers did say today, uh, during media that they are treating this like a game seven situation. And Steph said that he loves to play LeBron because it's a huge challenge. So everybody's got their confidence on their sleeve this week. <laughs> I love it. I Clearly. love it. I love it. Jeez. I love it. Jeez. All right, let's talk about the playoffs, which kick off next week, and we will be here with you guys, of course. And that is right after the play-in. It rolls right into it, guys. We are not slowing down. May 22nd, baby, kicks off yeah, the this weekend. Yeah. season. Yes. So let's start in the East because, you know, your girl loves good East chat. 
So Milwaukee and Miami, I love this. I love this so much because it's <laughs> high-level basketball. It's good. You don't have two dumpster fires going at it, <laughs> which is also fun because same caliber, same level, I get it. But Milwaukee and Miami, I mean, it's no secret that Jimmy Butler thrives in the postseason. This is his bread and butter. This is where he thrives. I'm sure he's sleeping under the basket the night before with a blanket on. <laughs> so... And then you have Giannis, Anadokounmpo, of course, and the squad ready there. And Drew Holiday, who's playing incredible. He's mm -hmm. everywhere. And mm -hmm. kudos to him for doing great things off the court as well. Yep. Talk to me about your prediction in this matchup. You know, so this is a rematch, of course, of last year's uh, conference semifinals uh, when the... Shocker. Yeah, when the Heat, you know, took out the Bucks and that sent everybody into a tailspin. Is Giannis going to stay? What's happening? Is butt on the hot seat? Blah, blah, blah. So it's the rematch. Right. And look, the the bubble last year was the perfect scenario and situation for the Miami Heat. The way in which Jimmy Butler is, the way that team operates, hunkered down, us against the world, nobody believes in us, and we're all locked in. They didn't have to travel, right? They're from Miami, so they went up to Orlando. It was perfect, right? And everything worked out so well for them. This time around, it's going to be a little different, right? you got to travel back and forth between cities. It's not the same type of mm -hmm. situation, the Bucks are much better this year than they were last year, even though their record does not indicate so. Um, Drew Holiday is a huge addition, as is P.J. Tucker. Now, ultimately, this is going to come down to, still, will Miami, oh, I'm sorry, will Milwaukee, excuse me, make the requisite adjustments in the postseason that they have not made over the past few years? So will Bud be able to do what is necessary to win, or is he going to stick to what he knows? Right. That, and again, it, it is a saying, right? Uh, pressure bust pipes. Right. And it's that's what the playoffs is. The playoffs is a pressure cooker, man. And generally, as human beings, when we are under stress and pressure, we revert back to what is comfortable and familiar. Mm -hmm. Right. So is Bud going to be willing to try something new? And I, it remains to be seen if he's gotten over that. Right. Or if he's going to revert back to, no, 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 this is not working. Let me go back to what I'm doing. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I do think Milwaukee's better. I think, you know, there's ways in which they can use Giannis differently this year than they have in the past. But, you know, Eric Spolstra is a mad scientist in many ways. And, you know, he's such an excellent coach. He certainly ain't going to be afraid to try new things and bust out with, bust out with different plans. The question is, is Dunk, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, are they going to be able to play as well as they played last year in the postseason? That remains to be seen. And, excuse me, Bless. allergy season. And will Kendrick Nunn, will he be able to supplement and replace some of the Goran Dragic stuff? Because Dragic played well last postseason, has not been playing that well this season. So how do you make up for that? And can Jimmy repeat what he's been doing? Right. And that now they don't have Jay Crowder. We know that's that's a big deal, right? Like there are little things that, that are that are missing from this Heat team. Um, but in terms of a prediction, I, I think the I think the Bucks are better. The Heat won't roll over, but I think I think Bucks and six. Okay. Okay. Wow. Man, normally, oh man, normally I would take Miami, but it's the rematch, and they took it last time, and I feel like. 
Giannis is, and I mean this with the utmost respect, he's a very emotional guy. He reminds me of Joel Embiid. He takes these losses extremely personal. No doubt. So I think that he's going to be back, especially after he signed that fat contract. Yep, yep. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to take Milwaukee in, uh, I'm going to take it in seven. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes seven. I, I don't, let's put it this way. Milwaukee ain't sweeping these guys. That ain't happening. Oh, heck no. This is going to be a big challenge for them. And again, more pressure for Milwaukee to redeem themselves. No doubt. So definitely more pressure on them, in my opinion. Okay, let's move on to the matchup. (laughs) That is almost equivalent to the Warriors and Lakers, minus the extreme backstory, because they haven't really seen the playoffs. So let's talk about New York and Atlanta, because these are two teams that have had so much improvement this season. It is out of control. If they both didn't even show up to the series, that would be fine (laughs) at this point, because they've done so much individually as teams this season. New York is on fire. They clinched that fourth seed and that home court advantage. What's up, MSG? And uh, we won't talk about the ticket prices that are rumored even though. Wildin', wildin'. That's a whole thing. But let's talk about this matchup. I think it's more even than it is not so even. Right? I mean, Trey Young and then Julius Randle. I mean, these two teams are very powerful. Yeah, look, the the Knicks guard, we know that. They they play incredible defense. Incredible defense. Ooh, Um, James, you owe me. (laughs) But Atlanta can score, though. I mean, they can score the ball. And they're going to be tough to beat. Clint Capella's had an amazing season. Trey Young, Bogdanovich, uh, Herder, DeAndre Hunter's back. I mean, look, they're going to be a tough out. A really tough out. Um, I see this series going going seven. And because Game Seven's in MSG, I'm going to give the Knicks the edge. <laughs> be happy, Knicks fans. There you go. There you go. I gave you this first round. Knicks in seven. I gave it to you. I love it. Guys, this is monumental in its own because if you have been listening to the Seven Footers podcast for years, from day one, you would know that Gerard isn't usually on my side when it comes to my Knicks, but it's a good day. It's a good day to be alive. You you love this? Her Knicks, her LeBron, she's got 85 teams she roots for. It's like, who even knows? Okay, when you put the sound bites together, it don't sound good, right? (laughs) But when you separate it a little bit, you know, it's better. (laughs) But I'm going to take New York, too. I think it's definitely going to go seven because, again, the power of these two teams, the grit and everything that they play with, they're they're both in places that they've really never been. So they are just like... what's coming next, which is also an important factor too, because this is a first for these guys. It's not like Milwaukee and Miami who are going into this knowing, okay, it's on this level that we're playing. This is how it goes and this and that. So interesting difference in those two matchups. But yeah, I got New York on this one, no doubt. And even if I didn't have New York on this one, I'd still have New York on this one. (laughs) So now we got to talk about the number one and two seeds in the East who don't have their opponents yet, mm-hmm. clearly, mm-hmm. because we are determining seeding still, hence the play-in. And that would be the Sixers and the Nets. The Nets' big three is so hyped up, if you ask Kevin Durant, it's the big 15, you know? <laughs> so they're, they're so hyped up that people are almost protect, projecting that they could just really not be what they are. 
Um, their big three hasn't been together. And then you have Philadelphia, who doesn't have a great track record of performing well mm-hmm. or past mm-hmm. a certain point in the postseason. So it's unpredictable there. However, they're coming off a great season. Yep. Um, much neat, much improvement from Simmons. And Bede is on fire as well. And... Again, I mean, then you got that play that the Brooklyn Nets had the other night where it almost looked like a like a Harlem Globetrotters scene that was rehearsed a thousand times. Having, having a little um, fun, having a little fun. Mike James had the highlight of his career. Um, I mean, let's go. What it, Talk to me about these two teams. I think for Philly and Brooklyn right now, as they await their opponent, for them it's about sharpening up what they do well, right? For Philly, it's defense, right? They are incredible, incredible defensive team. They are... Number two, I believe, in defensive rating uh, for the season. Phenomenal defensive team led by Embiid and Simmons, Matisse Thybul. I mean, they're, they're, they're excellent everywhere. And can they generate enough quality looks on offense uh, as the postseason goes on to make a deep run? For the Nets, I mean, we know what they're about. This is a collection, the trio, three of the greatest offensive players of all time. And the looks that they can give teams on offense – it's just confounding because who are you doubling, right? And, and when they decide to go super small, right, and they go Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant, right? I mean, that's with Joe Harris and Kyrie and James Harden. I mean, that is just space everywhere. Everyone can shoot a three, right? And so you're, and now you're letting these guys who are some of the best one-on-one creators in the world cook and go one-on-one. I mean, that's that's a lot to ask for them. It's going to be. How concise and how consistent are they in their defensive assignments and rotations? They're not going to be world beaters on defense, but they don't have to be. They just have to be good enough and get enough stops when it matters. Can they? We'll see. So for Philly and Brooklyn right now, it's about sharpening up what they do well and and working on the connection and the cohesiveness on the defensive end for Brooklyn and getting quality looks on offense for Philly. But I don't think, despite who their first-round opponents might be, and for Brooklyn, if they get the Wizards, yeah, you got the whole Russ aspect of it going against Russ and Scott Brooks, you know, OKC coach, OKC player going up against Kevin and James, who were his teammates in OKC, right? Like, there's that whole storyline, all that. Look, Russ will make it competitive, and if Bradley Beal's healthy, but I I don't think they're worried about them. Like, Philly and Brooklyn are not worried about um, either of these first-round opponents. They're going to respect them, but... I, 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 I see them advancing past either for trying to put it. And you know, what's scary to think about too. Um, Cause this is what goes through my head, like at like 7am every day. I don't know why, but like Brooklyn. Yeah, of course they've had to, I guess, play hard per se, but I don't think we've seen anywhere near playoff Brooklyn, which no. is terrifying. No. Like to see Durant right. go off, right. like really go off. I mean, scary Kyrie hours, Irving has right? ex- yeah, literally. And that's I mean, the thing. what's up, Drake? We we have we have not seen the three of them like really as it ratchets up have to do that. And the thing is, this is the part about the Nets that makes them so scary. It's the Harden factor, right? Because Harden unlocks them. Because what he is, again, everybody likes to go back to Houston Rockets Harden. That's the way that Houston chose to play basketball. And it worked. And they won a ton of games. Harden is one of the best playmakers in the league. So when you have an elite playmaker with elite shot makers and creators that are flanking him, I mean, the looks that they're going to be generating are going to be, and those guys already create easy looks by themselves. 
So now imagine you got Harden. You're running a, a one-four pick and roll with Harden and, and Kevin Durant. Good luck. What, what are you doing? You blitzing? I, 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 what, what, how, how are you defending that pick and roll? Right? I mean, it's it's disastrous. And then when all your energy is focused on those guys, Kyrie on the wing, Joe Harris stepping into wide open threes. Joe Harris, who led the NBA in three-point shooting percentage this season. Right? Blake rolling to the rim. Blake, who's become a credible three-point shooter. Jeff Green. I mean, look, it's, again, that's why James said scary hours. Like, with their, when they're going and they're moving, that is scary hours in Brooklyn. And it's a lot. And I think, look, if you're an excellent defensive team, sure, you can give them problems. But none of these first-round opponents are going to be excellent defensive teams. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. No. Um, real quick, uh, um, did you happen to catch uh, – you know me. I love a good post-game press conference. I'll sit there and listen to every freaking guy's freaking speech. I don't care. But did you catch uh, Blake Griffin after the uh, that amazing play? Did you see what he said at all? Oh, yeah. He was just like, oh, that play was all me. Like, <laughs> he's funny. <laughs> oh, Blake, Blake's a funny guy. Blake's – you know, he's, I mean, he's got a – I mean, he's got a show on like one of those true TV networks or whatever. That. Yeah, he's he's a funny guy. I forgot he had a comedy career for a second there, but um, yeah, he was like, yeah, it was, it was all me, honestly. I mean, I don't want to give myself credit. I'm not one to pat myself on the back, but you know, I just facilitated, stood in the back. I mean, I didn't tell Katie to dunk it, but I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is too good. Love it. He's um, funny. Yeah. Two scary teams right there. One and two in the East. So let's go over to the West because uh, we got to talk about Denver and Portland, this matchup, two unprecedented paths to the postseason, to say the least, I would say. And, of course, a lot of people would fight me in Denver because you guys have Jokic. The MVP, unsaid yet, is still the MVP. I mean, like, really, what is there left, if you ask Gerard? So... I would have said LeBron, but, you know, we had a little injury mishap there. I would have said LeBron played, like, 20 games this season. Come on, he can't win MVP. Uh, He played, like, 42 to 45. I can't remember. (laughs) Don't get it wrong. Point being, he ain't winning no MVP this year. Exactly. So, Denver and Portland. Yeah, you guys have Jokic. But the big question here for me is, do you have enough help, Jokic? Oh, I think so. Michael Porter Jr., baby. I mean. Yeah. Is it enough? Yeah. I think with Michael Porter Jr., um, with Austin Rivers off the bench, Excuse me, these allergies are really kicking up now. It's it's starting live to, shows, you know, baby. That's that's how we do on live shows. No, I I think I think Denver's got enough. Aaron Gordon. I mean, look, Jokic is the hub, right? You get him the ball, he's that point center. Guys just cut and move off him. I, I love what they're doing. And look, we know that Portland plays very little defense. I, yes, Dame and CJ are great backcourt. We know all that, but. Uh, I'm not really worried about them in that regard. <laughs> I'm just not. Even if Dame goes off? Yeah, I mean, Dame can go off and win them a game or two, but I, I, I Nuggets and six. I, I like this. I like Nuggets and six here. Oh, shoot. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to go Nuggets and seven just because I have PTSD from last <laughs> year when um, – when Jamal Murray went off for 50 like twice. It's just, I can't. <laughs> yeah, look, I know no, that we don't have him. Yeah, but not having still. Murray is going to matter a little bit, but I, I think not in this round, not against Portland. All right, all right. I like that. Okay. Uh, let's go on to the Clippers and the Mavericks because this is going to be an interesting matchup. You guys have Luka Doncic over there in Dallas, so let's not underestimate that, but also let's not sleep on the Clippers like we did mention earlier this season mm-hmm. because of the Claw, PG-13, and the rest of the squad there. 
What do you think about this matchup? Is it closer than we think, or is this like a... Mm. So rematch of last year in the postseason where many people thought that had Chris Porzingis not got injured, the Mavericks might have won that series. Um, I think Clippers are better this year. They're more cohesive. They're more together as a team. Um, look, I, I think it's stung, right? And look, we, we, we talk about it. The Clippers tanking that last game of the regular season uh, so they can avoid the Lakers, right? I mean, it's it, and not be in the same side of their bracket. Look, it is what it is. And we ain't afraid of LeBron. We ain't afraid. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, Luka, of course, is going to be a problem. He's a nightmare. But if anybody has the guys to deal with him, it's it's the Clippers, right? With Kawhi and Paul George. I like the Clippers here. I think Clippers in six. Um, I just think that they, they've learned a lot from last year's postseason. And they're, they're ready to roll. I, I'm going to go with, man, these theories are actually going to be like crazier than I thought a little bit. Um, I'm going to go Clippers in seven. Okay. okay. Um, I believe in Luca. The only thing I'm worried about with Luca, and I'm not trying to be like petty is just, I don't know. I hope he doesn't get ejected in the wrong game. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm going to say. I think he's going to cool out and not go after the ref so much. Uh, but you know, I, I, Look, it, for, for Dallas, it's about Chris Asporzangas, Tim Hardaway Jr., and the rest of that crew. Like, what are they going to be doing? Luka's going to do his thing. Is he going to have enough help? That's really what this is going to come down to. Are those guys going to be reliable enough in this postseason? And it's a, it's another run for this crew, right? They were the same crew that was here last year for the most part. Can you guys be better this year? We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. And there's also that looming call it a gray cloud over the Clippers just to test their chemistry well, in the postseason to test what they've done. I, I, I think, I think chemistry come. wise, they're, they're okay. Um, I just think that, you know, the idea of like the Clippers curse and like all that stuff, right? Like a franchise has never been to the conference finals and all, all the things clips going to clip all, all the stuff that we know about them. Right. But remember the players on this squad have nothing to do with all that past playoff history with the exception of last year. Right. So We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes itself out. Um, I, I'm I'm going to believe in the Clippers. I think you know Tyloo's got them playing well. He's he's a different kind of coach than Doc Rivers. Not saying better, not saying worse. He's just different, right? And I think that Ty's going to kind of like you know do some things that might be a little bit different to help to help this team uh, get over the hump. All right, all right. Like I said, too, Clippers in seven for me. So we shall see. The last two teams in the West, which are certainly not last, they're one and two, the Jazz and the Suns. This is interesting because I just, the Dwayne Wade effect is happening faster than I thought. The Dwayne um, Wade effect. Get out of here. <laughs> you like that? Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> I like, I love it. I love it. He, I mean, he had like 12 parties to celebrate. It was amazing. I watched them all on Instagram. Oh anyway. Well-deserved, Dwayne Wade, on a real note. Anyway, let's talk about the Jazz, because number one team in the West, their record, 52-20. and 20, That's pretty awesome, yep, okay? Yep. And let's talk about the Suns also, because the Chris Paul effect, hello. I mean, and they're also coming off without Chris Paul. They're 8-0 run in the bubble. So we know that they thrive in this type of setting and underdog setting. However, do they have enough reps in the postseason to carry them through in a grueling series with the Jazz. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, enough is said right there. Talk to me about this matchup. The Utah, if, or not this matchup. I mean, this these yeah. two teams. The Utah I wish Jazz it was a um, have been the best team in the se regular season, right? They, they, from start to finish, they've been the team. Number one in adjusted net rating. I mean, they've been excellent. And the person at the center of all of that has been Rudy Gobert, 
right? On offense and on defense. Um, DPOY. Shout out to uh, my True TV video this week, which is all about who was at the center of the Jazz universe, and it is Rudy Gobert on both ends of the floor. He's likely going to win his third Defensive Player of the Year award. And yes, while Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Joe Ingles and Bogdan and, and Boyan Bogdanovich and and uh, Jordan Clarkson get all the headlines because they have the ball, so much of what the Jazz do offensively is centered around Rudy. His threat at the rim as a, as a lob um, at you know and lobs his offensive rebounding. Him in the pick and roll, um, you know, and his screen assists, all all those things that he does uh, to help that offense flow. Now, I really want to see Lakers Jazz in round one because I do want to see if you know what does it look like this sort of heliocentric right Rudy Gobert team versus LeBron James and Anthony Davis. What is that going to look like? You know, everybody's like, ah, Jazz stink, Lakers sweep, whatever. I don't think know. Gobert can take on Davis. We'll, we'll, we shall see what it is. We'll see. We'll see what it is. Um, you know, a, a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Donovan Mitchell, who, while Rudy is their most important player, Donovan is that wing creator, right? And in the playoffs, you need wing creators, guys on the perimeter and wings who can create and make their own shots, right? That's not mm-hmm. that's not Rudy. Rudy doesn't do that. You got Bogdanovich. What else? Mike Conley really isn't that. So that's why you need Donovan Mitchell in the postseason, right? Because that 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 is such an important part. Will that be enough? We shall see. Uh, but I love what what Utah's been doing all year. As far as Phoenix, what can you say about Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Bridges? I mean, this team has been excellent. Uh, Monty Williams, uh, one coach of the year, based voted on by his peers. Um, mm-hmm. So shouts to him. The, the challenge with Phoenix, of course, is their inexperience, right? Chris Paul and Jay Crowder are the only people who have played playoff basketball and meeting playoff basketball um i'm not i'm not worried about devin booker i think he'll be fine on on his first playoff stage but they just don't have that it's you don't know what it feels like until you experience it right they 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 don't know again as i always say jenna when the opponent knows they know all your reads all your calls and what you're running how are you going to execute what's your what's your tertiary and your fourth option how how are you going to work your way around that how are you going to counter they those guys haven't experienced yet and there's only so much chris and jay can tell them and teach them you got to just feel it for yourself and so that's going to be a challenge for them which is why if they get the warriors in the first round so the warriors beat the lakers i think that'll be an interesting matchup for them because it'll allow them to work their way in i think they'll be, they can beat the warriors they're a better team it won't be easy but i think that'll be a nice way for them to ramp themselves up into the second round because they get lakers in round one gonna be tough for phoenix it's gonna be real tough just because the size is just not there right to go against uh lebron and ad and if they go marcus all they go super big i mean dario Saric, like what ayton's one guy i mean you it's just mm-hmm. you know so it'll be a lot for them to learn but anyway but i i love what phoenix is doing and i love what utah have done done this regular season me too two stellar teams and Interesting enough, too, um, the and again, this could be subject to change with the CDC guidelines, but currently the Jazz in their arena, they're allowed 70 some capacity. The Jazz might have the best home court advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And then Phoenix has 17 percent capacity, which we've talked about this before. I mean, home court advantage is obviously a thing, especially in the postseason, those fans that fuel uh, playing on your home court. I mean, any advantage that you can have in this series is is to play on your yes. home court. And yeah. the fact that 
they're going to have a significant amount more fans is very, very interesting. Yeah. And Utah fans don't play. No, and, and I think for, for the Jazz, that's huge for them, right? Because they're going to need every bit of what they can get. Now, mm-hmm. let's say they get the Warriors instead in, in round one. Or if by some stroke of luck, they get the Memphis Grizzlies in round one. That'll be a nice way for them to ease themselves into round two because I think they'll beat both those teams handily, right? Um, and then it's going to be that that four or five, right? Who, who, who are they going to who are they going to take between the Clippers and and the and the Mavericks, right? That'll be a that'll be a, another step up for them. Uh, but you know, I think having seventy percent of your arena full that's going to be a huge advantage for the Jazz, and they'll likely take advantage of that. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Oh, this is so exciting. Yeah, man. We're here playing. We gotta we gotta get to the games tonight. Let's uh let's wrap this up so we can right now. Ooh, Pacers up sixteen. Ooh, make that eighteen with one fifty-eight to go in the second quarter. Oh, my nerves, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Oh my god. Guys, we will talk to you. Next week, after we you get all you know, get all your tea from this episode, we'll, we will be back for the beginning of the playoffs. So don't go yeah, anywhere. The, the, you know, we'll, we'll be a couple games in by then, so we'll we'll let you know what's going on in what series, what we think's happening, how's it how it's looking. It's going to be crazy, man. Everybody, buckle up. This is going to be quite the postseason run in the NBA. But as always, y'all know where to find us: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're on Twitter at Seven Footers Pod, on Instagram at Seven Footers Podcast, at JS Hector, at Gentleman Sully, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10, came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do